this morning, I watched a old throwback commercial for Pepsi mm -hmm. that had David Bowie, and Ooh. he's like Dr. Frankenstein in a lab kind of thing. And he puts all these like pictures and pieces of clothes and stuff into a machine, and out pops Tina Turner. <laughs> <laughs> and they dance together in front of a vending machine. Why are commercials so garbage now? We have like it's Kylie like, Jenner I making know. a really terrible analogy with the cops instead of David Bowie producing Tina Turner. Like, what happened yeah, to us as society? So good. I was watching that this morning. I was like, why aren't commercials like this anymore? Yeah, why are they like worse and somehow more offensive? Oh, it was a really good commercial. Amazing. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Book Retorts. I'm Sam. I'm Danielle. And this is the podcast about sharing your weird media finds with your friends who don't know what you're talking about. That's me. You're a friend, Danielle. That I'm is correct. I'm the friend. I am you... always the friend. The oh, best always friend. the friend. The bestest friend. <laughs> the best friend on this podcast. At this moment, <laughs> that yes. That you have on right this now, podcast. <laughs> in, in this exact moment, I cannot argue with that. You are the only I other win. person on this podcast. I agree. <laughs> Uh, I knew I was the best. Yeah, sure. Boy, have I got something special for you today, Danielle. Oh, yes? What do we have? So I appreciate that last time you ventured into the weird animated world I usually inhabit with Thumbelina. I did. It was a good episode. Good job, me and you. Yes, very well done, you. So I thought I'd return the favor today, Danielle, by venturing into a realm that you usually occupy. Rom-coms. No, better, DCOMs. <gasps> really? Are you sure I haven't seen it? <laughs> I am 100% sure, Danielle, because this is maybe slightly cheating, but I think it's the modern equivalent of a DCOM. This is a Disney okay. Plus original movie. Okay. It is the 2023 movie, Crater. You're right. I have not seen that. Yeah, you're lucky. You would. <laughs> it came out like in May, so I think we're good. <laughs> you never know, though. Sometimes I hit weird stuff on, on Disney. Yeah. I was I was confident. This seems like way more kind of my movie than your kind of movie. Is this a sci-fi movie that's really just a decom? I mean, obviously. <laughs> just wondering. Crater could be many things. I was just curious. Let me send you the description, Danielle, and all your questions will be answered, I'm sure. I doubt that. Does it involve driving the moon out into space? Because otherwise I don't want to hear it. Danielle, just let the description wash over you. After the death of his father, a boy growing up on a lunar mining colony takes a trip to explore a legendary crater, along with his four best friends, prior to permanently leaving the moon and relocated to another planet? Does I didn't that write sentence it. make sense? <laughs> it should be relocating. You can thank IMDb for that. <laughs> so wait, then a boy grows up on a lunar mining colony, takes yeah. a trip to explore a legendary crater with his friends. Before he leaves the moon colony to relocate to another planet. I assume he has plans to relocate and decides to go to this crater as like a friend's trip before this, he leaves. It's kind of like a, a lunar standby me, Daniel. <laughs> Road trip. Yeah, pretty much. It's exactly right. Excellent. I think I should follow this up with Xenon because that is also in space and I feel like we just have a run. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you're complaining about this. It's just a sci-fi movie with a decom. Like, didn't you do that weird alien one that was just a sci-fi movie but a decom? Oh, yeah. 
Good one. Yeah. Can of worms. Yeah, that one. So I, Weird I, I think, movie. <laughs> yeah, again, I think there is precedent here, Danielle. <laughs> nope. Yeah, go for it. I'm very excited to uh, learn about this boy growing up on a lunar mining colony. Two things I want to state before we get into this. One, this is not your like daddy's decom because this is like a $50 million budget, which is probably more than they spent <laughs> on all of their previous like 90s era, early 2000s era decoms combined. That's a shame though, because those were really good. Solid efforts, Disney. Solid efforts. So I'm not sure like what inspired them to suddenly say, let's put money into these things, but it actually is surprisingly well done in terms of the effects and the sets and even the writing. So Excellent. Yeah. Surprising. Well done. So let's start off with this movie. It opens, of course, with the camera pointed at a star field. Like a... A space with stars in it? Yeah, star field. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm making sure there wasn't some kind of literal thing like no, a field, field of stars. Of stars. It's, it's like I don't a, know the movies. I don't know what's going to happen. It's like a wheat field where they grow stars. It could be. Maybe this is a movie about putting things in space. I don't know, Sam. <laughs> you know what it's about. You know it's about a lunar road trip. Yeah, but you know how the summaries sometimes are completely irrelevant to the actual plot? That's true. That's true. <laughs> So the ca- as the as the camera is on the star field, the title crater appears, and a circle is drawn like through the word. So we're already into it. Excellent. Craters are usually circular. Yeah, I know. That's generally how impacts work. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. I <laughs> haven't ever been to one, but yeah, I've, I've been heard to tales. A crater. That's not true. I've Which totally crater have you been to? I've been to Crater Lake in Oregon. <laughs> That's a caldera, not a crater. <laughs> Close enough. It's called mm. Crater Lake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's called a lot of things, Danielle. It doesn't mean it is one. <laughs> it's so pretty. It's very pretty. I don't think I would call that an impact crater. No. All right. The camera pans down. It's the Earth, but we're seeing it from the moon. Ooh. Ooh. We pan over as we keep going down. We end up at what looks like a mining site. The title comes up. Lunar Mining Colony, 2257. So good job establishing shot. You really drove the pony home. So wait, why did we start mining? On, what are we mining for on the moon? Daniel, years? boy, we're going to find out. Excellent. Is there like AI intelligence inside? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is like the sequel to Moonfall. We're like, we got to get in there. We got to fight that thing. <laughs> like now that we found out that there is actually something inside the moon that we want to go after. No, this movie, unfortunately, has nothing to do with Moonfall. It would be probably a worse movie if it did, honestly. <laughs> you don't know that. So we zoom in on a geodesic dome, an alarm is blaring as a voice announces over the PA that there's an imminent lockdown due to a meteor shower. I don't know why you need to lock down for a meteor shower. Like, so you people don't can just stay inside. Meteors? They don't need to, like, get locked into their rooms or anything, but here we are. <laughs> they don't go, like, down, like, underground bunker or something. It's just that they have to stay in their rooms. I don't know, Danielle. Honestly, what the <laughs> lockdown is is never really elaborated on in detail. <laughs> I assumed when you said that that they had to, like take cover but you're saying that it sounds like they have to stay inside of their spaces or maybe they just have to stay inside the dome i I don't know daniel it's unclear the lockdown is really more just a plot device (laughs) okay well lockdown got it we cut to a tunnel a group of teens are up to mischief Ooh, as they always are as they always are they're using tools i'm just kind of exposed panel and they're quote-unquote stealing something and it's like a truck there's five of them, no names yet, so we're in media res, and they're bickering good-naturedly as all friend groups have to do in movies and TV shows nowadays. I mean, but don't your friend groups bicker yes. normally in real life? Often, yes. 
<laughs> well, then, what's the difference? The difference is, Danielle, it's not on the movies, too, and I feel very seen. <laughs> oh, good. As long as we're, we're aware that this is a real-life thing that happens. Yeah. And no more of these fake, like, oh, we're all buddy-buddies. <laughs> Some adults approach, and they hide. And while hiding, one of the teens takes out a metal cylinder with knurling on the top and bottom and words printed on it that read, Michael Channing. 2223 to 2257. And he stares at it sadly before pocketing it again. Ashes? Oh, we'll get to it, Daniel. <laughs> worms? It's a can of worms. Yes, exactly. Right. Crossover! <laughs> the adults pass and they all come out and the kids start working on whatever they were doing again. And they're worried about it taking too long to hotwire this rover since it's almost locked down. When one of the teens, Dylan, gets it working and then an alarm goes off, just blaring out. And they start like, Fight like oh you said there'd be no alarms I don't know what you did. how do you turn it off rah, 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 rah. you know that kind of thing right and then we zoom in on that same sad kid's face I'm gonna just cut ahead a little bit his name's Caleb <laughs> it's not sad kid <laughs> yeah he's not he's not just named sad kid his name is Caleb <laughs> sad John kid <laughs> yeah sad John sad kid he goes by middle name sad <laughs> all right we're into a flashback. Caleb is sitting in a room from earlier that day, which words on the screen helpfully tell us it's earlier that day. Just in case we weren't sure that it was a flashback. Yeah. It just said, well, I mean, to be fair, like, it could have been years ago. I have no idea. Well, they're kids. I mean, if it was years ago, you'd probably see the regression of their faces. Kids grow fast. <laughs> I, I get that. I really want to appreciate the phrase regression of their faces. <laughs> else to phrase it. Sometimes the words just leave my mouth, Sam. <laughs> and they are beautiful, Danielle. I love them. <laughs> All right. Earlier that day, what's happening? So he's sitting in an office and a woman comes in and sits at her desk, which I guess she was just like left this kid alone in her office and was out of the room and he was just waiting there. So like a waiting room. I don't know. So she asked Caleb if he's aware of the death benefits included in his father's contract. Caleb says he is. And then probably for our, our benefit explains that the death benefit means he gets to go to Omega. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know what Omega is. So... That's all we learn. We don't learn about Omega is until pretty much the end of this movie. But it's the place to go when you die. No, when his father died, he gets to go to Omega now. Oh, the kid gets to go to Omega or the father gets to go to Omega? Father's dead, Danielle. He's not going anywhere. Well, I don't know. Maybe it was some kind of internment place or something, Sam. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. Caleb says that because the, the death benefits his father had, like his, his insurance means that if his father dies, he gets to go to Omega. It's the cool place to be. Sure. With all the sad people. I don't know like, do they ship off anybody who's had a passing in their family so they can like yeah, go no, I, be in that place? This point in the movie, I have no more answers than this. All right? <laughs> and mystery. neither will you. <laughs> we also learned that Caleb lost his mother seven years ago. So congratulations. He's an orphan in a Disney movie. Shocker. They're using them for food. The kids, really? kids who are orphans, like they can't do anything. They're not going to take care of them. It's the future. Like, That's they're on very the moon. dark, Danielle. You think this is going to be like Snowpiercer? <laughs> kind of. I mean, I just feel like at this point, we've probably like, we've probably eaten all the food. We're terrible at being humans, you guys. <laughs> like, no, we're, we're great at being on the humans. Moon. Humans are just terrible. <laughs> yes. And so I have a feeling that like in the future, you'd have to eat people. I think, I feel like this could really be the case. Like they... Pretend it's a really great place to go, but they send all the orphans off to this, like, special place, and then they never return. That's dark, Danielle. That's very dark for a you tween movie. What? <laughs> Not necessarily. Yes? You're saying Soylent Green for children. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like, um, the one that I did with Emma Roberts, 
where what? she goes, where she's getting married and she has to go off and learn how to be a proper lady. But then you find out they're just murdering all of them with the Rose yeah. woman. Was that for children? Was that for like 11 year olds? It was like young adults. <laughs> okay. I don't know what age it's. You didn't tell me this is for 12 year olds. I mean, it's a decom, Danielle. What do you think? <laughs> Just saying, they could make them dark. All right. Well, I don't know what's about Omega at this point in the movie, but I know it's not that. So okay. Well, I'm gonna assume it's that till otherwise told. The woman then explains that the journey to Omega takes 75 years, and that he will be in cryo sleep the whole time because obviously, <laughs> obviously, it's a space movie. You gotta have cryo sleep. I was agreeing. <laughs> okay, I wasn't disagreeing. I disagree with myself more, Daniel. All right, what happens? So Chaos says he doesn't want to go. He wants to stay here with his friends, but she tells him that he has to go, so no choice. And that what, his How parents... do you have no choice? Why would you have no choice? Danielle, again, just give a time. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> also, he's like 13. He has no choice. That's sad, though. And that his parents sacrificed a lot to give him this opportunity. That people come here to work in the mines to fuel the transports to Omega so that their families and children can then go to Omega. And he's going to leave later as soon as the lockdown is finished. So, how, um, how is this not a dystopian nightmare, Sam? I didn't say it was a dystopian nightmare, you know. I just <laughs> said they don't. I, I just said they don't eat the children. Is all I'm saying. But I so far don't have any proof of this. This already sounds very dark. It is kind of amazingly dark, but it's dark in a. <laughs> You're making fun of me for it. It's not even like it's dark in an anti-capitalist, not in a we're going to eat the children way. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I didn't realize there was a line there. <laughs> There's a big difference between, you know, Soylent Green and, you know, Anastasia or something, down with the bourgeoisie or whatever. Sure, but I didn't know that earlier in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what I'm telling you now. I appreciate that. So we cut to later, but not as later as when we started. So we're still in a flashback, I think, but uh, we're forward in the flashback. Got it? Okay. Yes. Good. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Caleb is walking around morosely and he climbs some giant ladder. I noted at this point that although this is a future moon colony, it, it appears to have all the polish and workplace safety of like a 1900s factory before OSHA was a thing. <laughs> We're In talking the future, like, safety is yeah. not really a thing, especially no. in dystopian nightmares. <laughs> it appears to be basically just like, oh, safety rails? What? Never heard of them. Maybe they're hoping he's just going to die and decrease the surplus population that they're sending off to Omega. Okay, thank you, Charles <laughs> Dickens. <laughs> Solid line. Need to use it as much as possible. <laughs> okay, Stephanie, we'll do that. <laughs> While climbing, he has another flashback. So we're now in a flashback within the flashback on the ladder. That's a forward part of the flashback. This movie has a wild opening, Danielle. It is, it is like freaking a looper or something with how it's dropping through time. There's another flashback, this time to when his father is encouraging young child Caleb to climb the ladder. He's like, you can do it, Caleb. You can do it all on your own. And if you fall, it's going to be very messy. But don't worry, you got this. <laughs> it's going to be messy. You're going to be dead. And like, why? Why is any of this? Like, why is this giant ladder? Why is the father like, it's a rite of passage. Climb the ladder, Caleb. <laughs> I climbed a lot of ladders in my youth, to be honest. Yeah, as a rite of passage in a moon colony? I mean, I wasn't on a moon colony. You could argue there may be a rite of passage. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not going to not get into that with you, Danielle. <laughs> You're in an arguing mood today. <laughs> Sorry. I wasn't trying to be. I was just wondering if they were going to die when they went to Omega. <laughs> uh, very well. Like, I had that same thought, Danielle, that this was like Omega was a prison or something. But, See? Uh, that's an obvious thing to think. <laughs> I did not go as far to them eating the children. Well, it's the future. I don't know. 
And then you told me that they were like stuck on there to work, hoping for a better life. Yeah. Very bleak. bleak. (laughs) So at the top of the ladder, they're sitting on this catwalk and the dad shows him the sky and tells him about the stars and how they're all dead and the light from them is just a memory through time, just like his dead mom's memory, which is always with them. (laughs) (laughs) Movie's sad so far. The movie is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So apparently Caleb was born and raised in the dome and he's missed out on so many things because his father and his mother immigrated there from the earth. And that his mom and dad used to sneak off to a ridge on a crater. And when Caleb was older, they'll take a road trip there, just like they used to take road trips back on Earth. What has he missed out on? Like sky, trees. But he does he know that? He hasn't lived I mean, his father's told about Earth because his father came from Earth. Well, you're not really missing. I mean, I don't know how you necessarily would think that you were missing out on anything because you don't only know what you know as a kid. Sure. But that doesn't mean as far as like you've missed out on a bunch of experiences. Like if, you know, that's something that happens. <laughs> Wouldn't that be terrible if your entire childhood was just parents telling you the things you don't get to have? Well, my point is, Daniel, like, <laughs> you can still miss out on things, even if you're not necessarily like, oh, I feel a yearning for the bark, <laughs> you know? But does he, like, feel like he's missed out on stuff? I don't know. I'm not in his head. Sorry, the way you said it, I thought that was, like, a character thing that they're trying to develop. I think they're just saying that, like, he's lived his whole life in this tiny moon colony and hasn't had the freedom and experiences that children normally have had in human history. Okay, sure. So... So now we flash back to Caleb still, I guess, I guess we flash forward to Caleb still in the flashback, but in the future flashback, without the flashback with his father. Yeah, 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 yeah. We get it. <laughs> I don't, do you? Because I was, I did not know how to explain this. <laughs> so as Caleb was sitting there on the catwalk, thinking about his flashback to his father, telling him about the road trip. Well, in a flashback. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I promise the flashbacks will mostly stop. It's just the beginning here tries to do a lot of like plot establishment in a very small amount of time. That's fine. I'm enjoying them. Anyway, Caleb's friend Dylan comes up and joins him looking out the window. And Dylan says they can still go to the ridge even on the short timeline. And the rest of Caleb's friends then join them. Marcus and Borny are two of them, just so you know those wonderful names. Marcus and Borny. Borny, yep. Okay. Borny is the warrior of the group. Officially? The title? Is there like a name stitched onto his shirt? No, that's just, like, <laughs> he, that's just his character trait. He's the warrior. Like, they, they'll all have their like little characteristics we'll get to. Got it. The girl of the group who was in the opening has not yet appeared, so. There's always obligatory one girl in a exactly. group. <laughs> exactly. Classic. <laughs> Uh, So the rest of the group is informed that he's leaving in three days, so it's a three-day lockdown, I guess, and they decide that they have to go on their road trip tonight. We cut to their home, clubhouse, unclear, uh, wherever they are. They're going over all the supplies they've stolen, wondering if they'll need more oxygen, which, yes, you never have too much oxygen on a trip across the moon's (laughs) surface. Let's just get that clear. (laughs) These are not all orphans, correct? I don't think so. So some of these people are going to have parents that are, like, really worried about them for three days while they're gone. Yeah, probably. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. The movie's not clear. If they have parents, then yeah, we never meet them in this movie. <laughs> That's deeply concerning. They may exist. They may even be freaking out. They are never mentioned or alluded to. I like to assume they're just a group of orphans. <laughs> I, I should that back. They are mentioned, but they're irrelevant. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. There's a knock at the door and they hide everything, and Caleb opens the door and a man comes to deliver Caleb his father's ashes in that little tube. And that tube is very small. 
It's like two inches long and one inch in diameter. Maybe they've learned how to compress ashes in the future. Uh, I'm guessing they must have like lost a lot of his father's ashes somewhere. And they're <laughs> like, like this kid will never know. They don't know how much ashes there yeah, is for a human like, being. <laughs> they're just hoping I can't both figure it out how comically small the container is. Like, yeah, throw him like a, a film canister. He won't notice. Maybe it's their souls instead of ashes. <laughs> that's, that's bleak. We've managed to trap their souls in this little metal tube. So congratulations. You carry that horror around Or their with memories you. or something. Like they're able to extract the memories and You're put them into a, a little... kick here, Danielle. <laughs> Wouldn't that be an interesting movie? <laughs> Trapping the souls of your loved one after they die in a metal tube? That sounds horrific. And then you take them to Omega and set them free. Or I was thinking more of the memories would be really interesting, is what I was thinking. Potentially interesting plot device. They can, like, relive their memories? Yeah, you'd have access to their memories. That sounds awful. Who'd want? It want... would be awful, but I'm just wouldn't it be interesting? It could be an interesting movie, Sam. I don't know where this Disney movie's going. I would be absolutely terrible because I don't want anyone be having access to my memories, Dan. You know, there are things in there I would not want anyone, much less my children, to see. I agree, but it'd be an interesting movie choice. And it's DCOM. They're not going to show anything that the kids shouldn't see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the implication is there, Danielle. <laughs> well, implications are often there in kids' movies. Sure. So we cut to later, still in the flashback, but now we're later that day or the next day. I, I don't know. They're eating at the commissary and discussing how the lockdown means that once they're past the perimeter, they're free and no one will come after them because everything will be in lockdown. It can't be the next day, right? Because you said that They wanted to go tonight, I guess. Yeah. The preview was just earlier that day or whatever you said. I don't know. Maybe it's like, I don't know, Danielle. They, once they specified earlier that day once, they have not specified a time since. But they're still in the flashback. Yes. I so think. it's got to be the same day just earlier. Sure. Okay. Continue on. Okay. I'm there. I'm there. <laughs> uh, it, it, was, it was more confusing while you were watching it. So even though the the worry kid is reasonably worried about the meteor showers, like if we go out there, what with the meteor shower? Like, have you ever seen any meteors? You're like, that, that doesn't answer his question. <laughs> So apparently they've all never seen a meteor shower before because they're not allowed outside. So they've never left the dome ever. They're like trapped in there. Okay. So uh, that means they're more determined than ever to go out despite the danger. I mean, it kind of makes sense they'd be stuck in the dome, especially as children. I mean, sure. But like, also, why wouldn't you like give children a place to go or have them out on the moon? You think that'd be a common thing to do like walks around the moon or something if you lived on the moon. But you wouldn't have to have like special... Equipment like a spacesuit, yeah, they can make spacesuits yeah. for kids. It'd be fun. They, they could, but then you're like, you're like everybody hold hands while we go across the moon. Don't get lost because otherwise you're gonna float away. I mean, it's kind of, you won't just float away. That's how the moon. The moon has gravity, Danielle. I know. Just kidding. All right. Well, they are determined to go out and enjoy the lunar landscape at least once in their lives. Okay. However, they have a problem. And that problem is they don't have access codes to open the garage. But Dylan has an idea. At this point, I was like, wait. Do these kids just sort of wander around all day with nothing to do? Do they have, like, school jobs? Like, what's going on? <laughs> maybe it's summer break. Whatever summer on the moon is. Danielle, summer on the moon? Or maybe it's just a break, like a school break. They eat children, but they get the breaks at least during the summer. <laughs> They eat children. I was saying that they eat orphans. There's a big difference. <laughs> oh, are orphans not children, Danielle? That's a horrible thing to say. <laughs> they are, but like as all orphans are children, but not all children are orphans. 
<laughs> yes, but they're all beautiful people. I'm not saying we should eat the orphans. I was just wondering if that's where they were. If that's what the magical omega was. You hadn't even told me at that point that it was something that his parents had like put together and they were fighting and they were like working towards that goal. That makes it like I understand that. First, you just said that he was like being said to omega. How was I supposed to know what that meant? I just love like the, the dissonance of your thought process being. This is an evil enough universe where they eat orphans, but it's a kind enough universe that they give those summer breaks. <laughs> On the moon. But you told me they didn't eat the orphans, so I was just right. I was like, okay, they don't eat the orphans, so then they must give them summer break. Oh, okay, so like, there's two ends of the spectrum here and no in between. Got it. <laughs> summer break or eating orphans, nothing in between. <laughs> I was just saying, I was believing you. You said they didn't eat orphans. I was willing to go with it, and now you're giving me crap for doing that too. <laughs> uh, no, it's just there's your no brain winning. jumps to so many weird conclusions. I love it. Whatever. Carry on. I think they're normal <laughs> conclusions. You know what? Maybe I'm the weird one. Who knows? So Dylan reveals that his plan is to bring on Addison, the girl, since she just came up from Earth, has no friends, and though she's weird, her dad's on the science team, so she has all the codes to the sub-basement garages. What are the names of these kids again? Addison? Marcus. Caleb? Marcus. Caleb? Caleb. Borny. Dylan. Borny. So you're telling me that in 200 and... 20 plus years, 30 years that they, the names are still Addison and Marcus. <laughs> I don't make the names idea. <laughs> I was just curious. They threw in Borny for you. What more do you want? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. I was just thinking that Addison was such a like common name now that I would wondering if it would still be on the list 230 years from now. Tiffany's an ancient name, Danielle. It's been around for hundreds of years. I know. I'm not saying that they couldn't carry through. You just think there'd be As more than like just Borny. Richard. <laughs> like, I was just thinking that there'd be more than one. Weird, borny name. All right. But also, like, why does Addison have the garage sub-basement access code? Her father's one of the science team, not her. She, I don't know. Maybe he's one of those guys that puts it on a post-it and sticks it on his computer. <laughs> they have better security, you know, 200 no, years in the future. No, you do it, they don't, okay? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No way. I'm sorry. The names would be totally different. The security, exactly the same. I'm just saying that people have, in the last 30 plus years with computers, people have continued to just write their names for their post-its, like, with passwords and stuck them on their computer. I don't think that's good. Humanity's not going to change that much in 200 years. Yeah, but the names will. Got it. <laughs> I just think it's amazing what you accept as being the same, what you insist on being different. Only to be bothersome to you. Hey, that's what we do here. So I don't know how they're going to convince her in, like, two hours to join their little heist group. But Dylan goes up to her and sits down at the table she's sitting alone at in the cafeteria and is all, hey, my name's Dylan. And she gets up and leaves because, shocker, his smarmy attitude does not appeal to her. Uh, shocker. Is she, like, a mostly a loner? I don't know, Danielle. This is the first you've seen of her. Oh, she's curious. Well, you know more of her. All I know is she's been here, like, a month and she just came up from Earth, so. See, that's why she joined their little club, because she probably doesn't have any friends yet. So he teases after her, and when he catches up to her, she goes, I know the way you guys all think about me. I'm just a spoiled little Earth girl. The only time anyone talks to me is when they want something. And like, wow, it's only been a month, girl. Dang. <laughs> Apparently, she really got to read of that place. Yeah, being the new kid's hard. Being the new kid on the moon, it's hard, I guess. <laughs> We're totally going to be doing Xenon. It's like the opposite of that. Where being the new kid is easy? No, where she's the new kid on the Earth. <laughs> oh, okay. Dylan tries to be all like, no, I came here because I felt bad that no one talks to you. And shockingly, this does not go over well. How do they know that she has the codes? Because her father's on the science team. That's, that's the <laughs> Okay, okay. 
Sorry, I forgot. I, I remember I had a little thing about why would she have the code to run the science team, but apparently she's like psychically bonded to her father or something. Yeah, I didn't realize she was like brand new and they didn't know her. I was just thinking they somehow knew that she knew. Like, like she no. knew, they knew her. So as she turns to go away again, Dylan's all like, no, wait, 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 wait. And he relays the sob story about Caleb who lost his parent. And then she makes him tell her about the plan to go to the Forbidden Crater. And Addison is like, I get why Caleb is doing this, but why are you helping him? And Dylan goes, because he's my friend? <laughs> and really, that's on her. Yeah, that seems like a very obvious answer. Yeah, like, girl, you understand friendships out of that. Like, maybe you don't have any friends here, but you probably had friends back on Earth, right? Maybe she didn't. Maybe she's always had that attitude. Oh, no wonder she's all alone then. Oh. Yay. So that seems to bring her all the way on board as long as she gets to go to. Of course. Of course. Otherwise, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, here are the goats. Have fun without me. Yeah, pretty much. So the rest of the crew is like not super psyched to bring Addison on to the team because like, oh, she's an Earth person. They have different ways. They're <laughs> peculiar. So there's some like Earth prejudice here, which is- It's good to have prejudice exist 230 years from now. <laughs> I was going to say, something's never changed, Danielle. <laughs> You're right about one thing. People are people. <laughs> Oh, goodness. But that's the only way to get the codes. They're like, sure, fine. She's on board. Finally, we cut back to the present with the alarm blaring and everyone freaking out about what to do and they're all going to get caught and et cetera, et cetera. Caleb is staring at the open panel on the rover and suddenly reaches inside, grabs a random bundle of wires and yanks them out and the alarm stops. So That's how alarms work. <laughs> I was about to say, like, hey, I can't believe that worked because no alarm stops when you just, like, yank a random wire. And also, B, the alarm already went off, so people have already been made aware of this, but I guess it's one of the things where once the alarm stops, everyone has sudden amnesia and forgets the alarm ever went off in the first place. <laughs> Maybe they're like, well, since it went off, probably nothing's happening. It was just like a triggered, like when your fire alarm goes off, but there's no fire. Yeah, I'm sure they would never go check on it. <laughs> <laughs> you never just had your fire alarm randomly go off and you're like, what you doing? And then it stops. <laughs> I mean, I would check to see what's going on if there was a fire first before I dismiss it out of hand. I would be like sitting in my bedroom, hear my fire go off and go, yeah, I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> well, it went off again, though. That's what I'm saying. It didn't like keep going. Yeah, but I'd be still like want to go check on it. I'd be like, mm, we'll just make sure that it's like it didn't melt or something from a fire. <laughs> this is how you're going to die, Danielle. No, I always check fire alarms, Sam. Oh, okay, so you're just arguing against <laughs> the things you actually do. I'm just saying if it went off for a short amount of time and then stopped... I might wonder if it was just like an error. Yeah, but you would still check, right? Maybe the alarm's not super specific. It was an alarm on the truck. Maybe in the future there's not as much crime, so they're like, <laughs> ah, probably fine. Then why have the alarm in the first place? I don't know, Sam. Yeah, okay. Keep trying. We're going to move on. <laughs> anyway, I guess the whole alarm thing is fine. As the announcement on the PA system goes that the lockdown is starting in three minutes. So get to your... Lockdown? It doesn't, it's unclear why that's what we have to do about this. <laughs> so the kids all scramble aboard the rover as Dylan confidently drives it to the doors. As Caleb is sent out to punch in the door code, Addison slaps an astronaut bobblehead onto the dash of the rover, which she claims is an Earth road trip custom. Which, is it? Does, does everyone just put a random bobblehead on their dashboard before every road trip, or is that just... Something I've missed out on in my life, Danielle. You've missed out on it. Okay, so you put a new you put a new bobblehead on your dashboard every time you take a road trip. Mm, yes. Okay, impressive. You are Addison. 
<laughs> the answer to that is yes. You had to think about that. I was for trying a long to think time. of my last road trip, Sam. That's what I was thinking of. Where do you get your bobbleheads to put in your dashboard? Bobblehead Supply Co. Okay, you're just making this up, aren't you? <laughs> you just lied to me to be annoying, right? <laughs> they're a local producer of bobbleheads. This is why I try to talk to you too much. <laughs> <laughs> they're well known across the country. Yeah, I'm sure they are. You are no help in this episode, Danielle. You are the opposite of help. You are anti-help. I think some of these questions were valid. Yeah, I mean, you, your lie about the bobblehead didn't help. <laughs> I just was thinking that most – the reason why I took so long to answer was I was thinking that a lot of people I know do have bobbleheads in their car. That they probably don't put one in for every trip. I don't know the answer to yeah, that question. Yeah, I'm not saying people don't have bobbleheads around their cars or whatever. I'm saying I don't like go out and buy the new road trip bobblehead every time I go on a little journey. No, if all of my friends were going on a road trip together, I might. if I found a cool bobblehead, I'd probably buy it and put it in the car. Yeah, but I don't know if that rises to the level of Earth tradition. So, Well, maybe it is in 200 years, Sam. You know, fair point. Maybe bobbleheads are the new economy. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think you know enough to speak about Earth traditions in 200 years. <laughs> Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I didn't realize. Like, what are we even doing here? That we can't even speculate <laughs> about the future. Like, I don't know enough about Earth in 20 years to speculate about the bobblehead economy, but you know enough to speculate about how they eat children. Got it. <laughs> I would like to think that the Earth has come that far in 200 years that we do do bobbleheads. They have a bobblehead economy now? <laughs> yeah, like, why not? Works for me, I guess. What do you think would be the most sought-after precious bobblehead? I'm assuming it's still the hula girl that's kind of like... Is that a bobblehead, Danielle? It's a hula girl. And sometimes they're head Very different. (laughs) Entirely different. I don't know. I had a pug for a really long time that had had reindeer ears on. I remember that thing. It was terrifyingly (laughs) creepy. (laughs) I don't remember where I got it. It was a gift. But he was pretty cute. He's in my car. He's just not up on the dashboard. Yeah. Pugs are not adorable at the best of times. Right. I'm not necessarily a huge pug fan, but I love the little pug with the reindeers. He was pretty cute. I'm happy for you, Danielle. I don't Maybe. know what would be the most popular hey, go on one, that. Put that into a savings account. In 200 years, it'll be worth something. <laughs> I mean, you don't know that it's not for my future, future, future offspring. So Caleb opens the garage door. And while you think that a lockdown would mean the doors wouldn't open, uh, I guess that's not a serious lockdown. They do open, so so much for the lockdown. Well, has the lockdown actually started? Or have they made it out the three minutes prior to it being? Unclear. It's also unclear if, like, the lockdown would have stopped them or if they'd just been like, yeah, the lockdown doesn't apply to garage doors. Well, they seem to be in a hurry. And I would imagine if you have the code, then you can open stuff, because otherwise, what's the point, even if you're in a lockdown? The whole point of the lockdown is to lock things down. I think the code is for normal access. Okay, but... When it's still, it could still, it could still potentially work during a lockdown. Why? Why would they have a a normal code work during the lockdown? Because they're like assuming that adults are smart enough to not just randomly leave. During you know lockdown. that's not true. I'm just, I know it's not true. I'm just saying that maybe in the future that is true. <laughs> You're working so hard to justify this movie, Danielle. Why are you working so hard to justify this movie? <laughs> that's my job. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, it's not. <laughs> Your job is not to contradict literally everything I say. I'm not trying to contradict. Never mind. Yes, you are. Look at you. You can't do one sentence without contradicting me. You're right. I am. Go ahead. (laughs) All right. So the door opens. They head out the tunnel. And Caleb remembers his father's words about how road trips let you leave everything behind and become free. They hit the surface of the moon and are just ecstatic. Dylan floors it, which isn't very fast because it's a moon rover and not a sports car. (laughs) And they head out onto the open moonscape, blasting uh, Born to be Wild. No, they should, though. 
<laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> That'd be a great choice. The movie does not have music that is that fun, though, unfortunately. Well, they had to spend their budget on other things. Yeah. Like craters. Craters. You gotta have a... I mean, the movie's called Crater. If there's not a crater, it's gonna be very disappointing. <laughs> be funny the whole movie was them just trying to get to this crater. And now you never see the crater. It's... Mm, okay. So now it's driving montage time with them having a great time going along their 12-hour trek. Caleb gets a bit dour when they pass the transport site, which is the transport that will take him to Omega. And he's all like, no, all sad time. Mm-hmm. Inside the rover, a timer goes off, and Borny explains that it's time for Marcus's pills, since he has an enlarged heart that will probably kill him soon, so he can <laughs> take pills regularly. How is this not a dystopian nightmare? I didn't say it was dystopian, Danielle, but it doesn't go to the level of child eating. <laughs> but a kid might die on this journey. You gotta have steaks, Danielle. <laughs> I get with a heart condition. Is this like Chekhov's heart condition? <laughs> is this going to be a problem later? Oh, of course it is, Danielle. <laughs> they bring up this heart condition like seven times. I'm only going to mention it like once. <laughs> so my question is, why is Borny in charge of Marcus's pills? Like, he feeds him the pills. is like, yeah, take your pills, Bor- uh, Marcus. It's time. I don't know. Maybe he's just the most reliable out of the bunch. No, that's definitely not true. <laughs> He's the worrywart, though, so maybe he just remembers things like that. Is it the? Is it a reminder on his phone, or is it on, or whatever his? I don't know. Just like something on the wall of the rover beeped. Maybe they set it up. Maybe he was just stating, like when it beeped, like, "Oh, it's time for your pills." No, he actually's like feeding him the pills, and like, "You gotta drink water. To, you'll be coughing too much." He's like his mother. That's well. Somebody's got to be on this trip. That's a bunch of kids. Okay, Danielle. And they're orphans. They're not orphans. <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> I know for a fact most of them are not orphans. <laughs> They've just run away. They're runaways. <laughs> Poor parents. Back in lockdown. Kids are missing for days. Movie doesn't care. Does not care, even remotely. So Dylan spots something out the window of the rover. It's some kind of massive city-like structure with, like, skyscrapers. It looks run down and abandoned. Ooh, mysterious. And Caleb says his dad told him about places like that. When people first came to the moon, they built these cities or, or started building these cities and colonies like that. So the moon was supposed to be some big deal, a new paradise. But once they found Omega, everything stopped and all the projects were left unfinished in favor of focusing everything on Omega. That's crazy. <laughs> okay, thank you, Danielle, for your contribution. <laughs> I had lots of thoughts, but I wasn't sure where to go with them. It depends on where the movie's going. So what are your thoughts? You can share your speculation. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know. It's just, every, This movie's very dark, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not dark when you're watching it. It's actually quite upbeat. It just, if you distill it to its essence, it's kind of dark. <laughs> just, I mean, I would 100% believe that if the government found something better that was more sustainable, they'd just drop everything they were doing and leave all their junk on the moon. I would even say more sustainable, more profitable. <laughs> Yeah, with that too. So the kids start grilling Addison about Earth, like if they have buildings that big on Earth, and if the sky is really blue, and she explains that it's very different here on the moon, like they don't have books or TV or music on the moon, and like, what does anyone do? (laughs) Why would none of those things exist on the moon? Finally, Daniel, you're on board with why this movie's crazy. They just like sit around staring at walls all day in the geodesic dome, and the kids can't even go outside? Like, what is this? I can't imagine that art 
would not have carried over to the moon base. There's no way. Yeah, or like books or, you know, whatever. I mean, like art as a genre is what I meant, like anything in that field. It just seems unfathomable. Maybe they don't do music because it's too loud or whatever, but I can – like a book doesn't bother anybody. You gotta it's have a book. too loud for space? What, what, what is it? Like it's a small confined area, so maybe they're like, you know, they're, 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 to keep the noise down or whatever. Well, you do acoustically or something. <laughs> like what? There's no plays. There's no – the the. The place with only have handrails is not going to put acoustic paneling in every room. <laughs> the point is, while the movie might be able to justify some, like, oh, they're not going to have plays on the moon because this is a mining colony, there's no reason they can't have books. Like, there's no justifiable reason a book can't exist in the moon colony. I think it's probably impossible for a group of humans to exist and not have some kind of out functional outlet for social activities. Yeah, why do you say that? Because I just think it's like normal for humans to create stuff. I mean, like if you don't have TVs or whatever, you're still telling stories or putting on plays or whatever the case may be. Like there's just that's just something that humans have done. I think it'd be, especially people who probably didn't, weren't born on the moon. They probably came from another place where all those things existed. Yeah, that's the wildest part, Danielle, is these people came from the Earth, many of them, and they're like, well, we don't need books anymore. We don't need <laughs> like, movies or TV. I don't or... believe this is a thing. <laughs> Danielle, this movie is asserting it's a thing. I, I believe you. I'm just flabbergasted. Art dies on the moon. <laughs> Art dies on the moon. <laughs> T-shirt slogan. Anyway, she's like... Didn't they teach you all about that stuff in school, like what Earth is like? And apparently, the only things they learned about in school is how to mine helium and things related to helium mining to fuel the transport for rich people to go to Omega. This is wild. What a terrible society. <laughs> yeah. And I like how hard you've tried up to this point to justify this society. Like, this makes sense. <laughs> I don't. I didn't have all the facts. Also, all I said was maybe they had a summer break from school. I don't feel like that was pushing the, like, <laughs> bounds of normalcy. Uh to be fair, maybe if you had seen the movie and like understood how clearly this was framed in a grim kind of way, that this is not the place that would give children a summer break. Yeah, yeah. I don't feel like that was clear, Sam. All you said was that it was a relatively small dome. They couldn't leave it, which doesn't seem that suspicious to me because I don't know what the moon's like outside of the dome. Maybe well, it's, it's the moon. safe. Oh, maybe they have creatures. I don't know. This is a movie, Sam. <laughs> there could be reasons. <laughs> it seems cruel to keep people interned I just think that would be a cruel thing to do, but what do yeah. I know? Well, in my head, the dome was pretty big, like a city. So you were just in a city. I don't know how big it is. It's more like a work camp. Okay. Well, that wasn't clear. Well, I'm sorry. Next time I'll show you a picture. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> okay. I appreciate that. I'll get detailed schematics of the dome size and try to get you the exact square footage. Well, I can't be empathetic that these children are born. Like, the, the entire dome is a mining colony. There's not, like, anything pretty in the entire dome. How am I supposed sure. to know that? But you can accept my word for it. But you didn't say that. <laughs> anyway, apparently uh, many of these children are, like, second or third generation moon people. And mm -hmm. Addison is confused because... The deal is, you'd sign for a 20-year contract to mine helium, and then you get to take your family to Omega after the 20 years of labor. But then they explain how every time you're, like, late to a shift or get a cold or cause a delay, they tack on more time to your contract, and that accumulated time gets passed down generations. So it's basically indentured servitude. Okay, but they don't eat children. Come on! <laughs> <laughs> If you eat the children, they won't work, Danielle. That's just basic 101. <laughs> I've told you, they run out of food. It is the moon. <laughs> they have plenty of food. Nothing you've said to me has proven otherwise. It's comforting to know that capitalism will still be the same in the future. 
Like, one thing would never change. And it's a terrible way capitalism exploits people when given the opportunity. Why are these people signing up for this? To go to Omega. Wild. But they never make it there. What is the percentage of people who actually make it to Omega? I'm sure, like, and the who's signing this contract? <laughs> I'm sure the marketing is A very much uh, hides the fact that they are indentured on the moon. Like, they probably have to sign NDAs and stuff when they get there. So no one, until they're too late, people don't know about it. And B, maybe they're poor people who are desperate coming, like, people who come they They have to for pull from life. some kind of population that absolutely doesn't have any other choice. Maybe, again, maybe they're like, hey, Omega's worth it, or I gotta try it. You know, people buy lottery tickets, even that's never gonna help. So people do all kinds of things that don't make sense. Wild man. Capitalism aside, Addison asks Caleb what's in the crater, and Caleb says he doesn't know, but his dad didn't mention something about a brook that splits in two. So, a brook. That's what's in the crater, apparently. Is there water on the moon that no. runs like a brook? <laughs> no. They're, they're, I don't believe there's liquid water on the moon, unless it's inside the moon megastructure near the white dwarf star. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming. I just, I'm assuming this is the movie that leads up to that. Or vice versa, you mean? Sure. So then they decide it's time to go frolic on the moon's surface for just a bit of fun. Or actually, no. I think this movie came before that, and that's why there were crops inside of the megastructure. The timeline doesn't make any sense, Danielle. This is, takes place 200 years after that movie. Does it, though? 2257 Space is after 2020. Time might not have made it matter. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it matters, Danielle. <laughs> they decide to go cavort on the, on the moon's surface, and Addison has a much nicer suit than the other kids because her daddy bought it for her. Aww. They go outside and are pretty awestruck as they bounce around. And I just realized that, like, inside the rover, they have, like, normal gravity, but outside, moon gravity. So the rover has a gravity generator? Which is bonkers to me, because if they have that kind of tech, why is capitalism still a thing? Like, <laughs> Star Trek would be here. Like, we'd be in the Star Trek universe. Like, capitalism just won't die. <laughs> so that, to me, was crazy. I like the realization, like, why are they doing indentured servitude if they can make gravity? Like, they have to have technology that makes, you know, scarcity not a thing. This is the worst timeline. Yeah, it's, it's like capitalism and Star Trek technology, which is, ugh. No, thank you. <laughs> So they all stop to admire the view of Earth, and Addison is briefly sad looking back at her erstwhile home, and then decides to get them to all play baseball with a moon rock and a rebar bat, because that's going to work. And if you're going to play a sport on the moon, I would think you could, there are better sports to play. Like, they did golf. That was a pretty good idea. Mm -hmm. But the baseball game falls flat immediately, because the guy hits the rock one time, the ball's gone. It's just off the, the moon. <laughs> and they're all like... Bye. <laughs> and none of them know how to play. Like, she didn't bother to explain the rules of baseball to them before they all started playing. And so they're all like, this sucks. Is, is, is baseball really the most popular sport on Earth? And she's like, yeah, it really is. Like, mm, it's, it's not. not the most popular sport. No, it's not remotely. <laughs> not even close. That goes to soccer, but you know, close enough. Danielle, it goes to curling, please. Yeah, curling. The most popular sport on Earth. In our canon, Danielle, curling is always the answer to what sport. <laughs> If it's what sport the kids are playing in curling. the Janie Chronicles is curling. If it's what's the most popular sport, it's curling. That's Always our curling. canon. Curling all the way down. So Addison goes off to sulk and stare at Earth, and the others decide to play a new game where they tether themselves to the rover using a cable and then use oxygen tanks as jetpacks to like turn them upside down and blast <laughs> off using oxygen tanks. Yeah. So Addison comes over and is all like, are you guys stupid? You're going to get yourselves killed. And oh, yeah, you're wasting our oxygen. And Dylan is all like, nah, it's an extra tank. If we don't use it, it will go to waste. And like, that's not how breathing works. <laughs> Air doesn't go bad if you don't use it right away. Also, use it on your trip back, not on your trip there. 
Well, I mean, what do you, but what, what? If there's an extra tank of oxygen that they yeah. want, that like they don't think they're going to necessarily need, but it's a backup tank, I said, use it on your way back, not on your way there. Sure. Or just don't use it all. Like, maybe don't waste your oxygen, which will become no. a plot point uh, very quickly here, Danielle. Yes, of course it will. Along <laughs> with the heart condition. I know how movies work, Sam. Yeah, I'm not sure. So Dylan is very offended by her calling him out as dumb. And then he says, she's just scared. So, of course, she does the jetpack thing from peer pressure, which wins over all her friends. I was like, yeah, she's really cool. And she has a great time and loves it. So the lesson here is always buckle to peer pressure to do dangerous <laughs> stunts. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what I learned from a lot of decom movies. Yeah, right? Wild. <laughs> Anyway, they all take turns, and then at one point, Borny goes, and the tether comes loose, and he goes flying off uncontrollably. Bye, Borny. Bye, Borny. Yep. Nice knowing you. <laughs> the rest panic, except for Marcus, who grabs another tank and jets off after Borny. The others quickly follow suit, leaving Addison behind as a spotter to, like, direct them to how to get to Borny. And I'm thinking, okay, Borny flying off uncontrollably is bad. Marcus going after him? Sure. All of them grabbing tanks and flying off uncontrollably after him seems like Terrible a bad idea. idea. <laughs> yeah. Like, it seems like you're going to cause more chaos than help at that point. I feel like this is the beginning of a moon lord of the flies. Moon of the flies? Moon of the flies. <laughs> but they're not British, Danielle. It won't work. Lord of the boons? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Borny finally manages to jettison the tank, like, unconnected from his suit, and starts to fall, and Marcus intercepts him and catches him, and all the others manage to catch them. I don't know how they managed to, like, steer themselves <laughs> with this oxygen tank jetpack, but they all crash relatively safely to the ground. But now half their ox oxygen's gone, yeah? Right. So Addison, as they pick themselves up, Addison says she thinks they have to go back, since they've used so much oxygen, they don't have enough to get to the crater and back. And Caleb says, wait, I have an idea of where we can get more. The oxygen machine. Yes, One of the, the cities that has oxygen. They go back inside, and Asim pulls out a hollow projector of the moon's surface, and Caleb points out an old abandoned outpost the miners used to use as a resupply depot. So, hey, there's probably some oxygen left over there, maybe. Good job with the map reading. When Borny learns of this plan, he panics because of space ghosts at the outpost. And it's been a running thing up to this point that Borny believes in all kinds of, like, wild things his older brother tells him, like, ooh, there are spooky ghosts here, or there's, like, goblins out of this place in the moon, and stuff like that. They're related? Did I know ooh. that? You said Borny. Like, Borny, is there another person there that's his brother, or is his brother, no, like, No, but he has an older brother who has been telling him stories, God, like, his whole it. life. <laughs> like, not every person in the colony is on this trip. <laughs> <laughs> I just wondered if somebody else there was his brother, and I had missed that fact. So no. he's afraid of space ghosts. Yes, he's, he he would be you, Daniel. He's afraid of space ghosts. I'm not afraid of ghosts. This is ghosts, space ghosts, ghost to ghost. <laughs> great, great show, space ghost, ghost to ghost. <laughs> but did you want to follow up with that or anything? Or no, I'm good? not afraid of ghosts. <laughs> okay, great, got it. I just thought I maybe believe in them. I don't, I'm not afraid of them. Well, Daniel, you're using the wrong phrase. It's I, I ain't afraid of no ghosts. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. There you go. <laughs> Does Bussy make you feel good? I think that's yes. All right, great. Who are you going to call? Uh, moving on. <laughs> Earth to Danielle. <laughs> We're on the moon. <laughs> so they reach the outpost, and as they enter the main tunnel, the door closes behind them, leaving them in the dark. It's a spooky, spooky space ghosts. Luckily, their suits all have flashlights because, yeah, of course. Who are the space ghosts? Are they like the dead miners? I don't know, Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> just curious. Just curious. Uh, the space ghosts, they don't need a reason. <laughs> the moon spirits? I mean, what are they? Uh, Danielle, they're the space I'm just ghosts. thinking oh, out oh, loud. Again. I'm thinking out loud. <laughs> okay. Just wondering where the ghosts come from. That's all. They come from the moon. They are inside moon of ghosts. the moon. Sure. So they make their way through the outpost, understandably creeped out, and they spot what looks like a person and freak out, running around screaming about space ghosts. So there you go, Danielle. Space ghosts. They attack. Yay! Dylan finally gets the lights on, and it's revealed that not only are the people mannequins, which honestly much scarier. And why are there mannequins on the moon? Because this is a model home, Danielle. Okay. I'm willing to go with that. As it explains that this is like a model home. She explains the concept of a model home. Like when developers want to sell a bunch of homes, they'll build one as a model home and they'll decorate it and show people what it would be like to live there. They don't usually put mo- uh, the things mannequins. in there. Mannequins in there, but <laughs> yes. Look, Danielle, there are so many mannequins in this model home. There's like 50. Like, there's party. children. There's adults. It is wild. They're probably storing them all there, but I, no, I'm not sure No, they're all sure like dressed they'd... up and posed at like the kitchen or in the bedroom. It's crazy. <laughs> Everyone is all impressed with how nice the home is and like what they could have had on the moon if people had actually committed to building out the moon and not abandoned everything for Omega. Also, somehow the air and lights all still work in this abandoned structure. So no. good for that. Yeah, <laughs> it does. Everything still works, Danielle. Air, lights, water, perfectly, perfectly good. They really could have built those sense. homes back in the day. <laughs> in the moon days. Like, where's the power coming from? Like, who's getting this thing hooked up to power? Maybe it's solar power. I don't know. I'm going to assume it's solar power. That might make some kind of sense. Perhaps. Anyway, they, they split up to go searching for supplies. So while doing that, Addison and Dylan go off into one of the bedrooms, start looking for supplies, and she asks Dylan about his past, and Dylan explains that his grandfather tried to sneak away on a shuttle back to Earth. He's like, my grandfather couldn't take it beyond the moon anymore, he tried to sneak on a shuttle back to Earth, but he was caught, and now he had to add six years to his father's term as punishment. That sucks. But- don't pity him. The others have it worse. Borny has too nervous a disposition to be a moon person, and Marcus probably has a heart condition from his family being in low G for too long, for like being generations of mm-hmm. moon people. And he and he doesn't need her pity. They do. And Addison pulls the old, oh, you think you're the only people with problems? You think my life is so perfect? And like, you don't know anything about me. And I was just trying to get to know you. Yeah. And so they had that little argument. I mean, is her life any worse than she had to move to the moon? I don't know, Danielle. We haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> okay. Just curious. <laughs> Meanwhile, Marcus and Borny locate a supply room and have a heart-to-heart about wanting Caleb to have a good time uh, before he leaves. And then Borny makes Marcus promise to always take his pills, which he is apparently bad at doing. So Marcus is not long for this world. <laughs> oh, poor Marcus. We knew him well. No, we didn't. I <laughs> <laughs> didn't at all. Can't keep any of the goods straight. <laughs> Caleb is searching the kitchen alone when we have a flashback to him talking to his dad in their old kitchen. His dad is saying that the math doesn't work. Not since his mom got sick and died. He can't work off the time he accrued before Caleb turns 18 and gets his own 20 years of work to work off. So Marcus and Borny then radio everyone to let them know that they found a supply cache of food and it's time for a feast. So the dad is now old enough to have had children. How old's the kid in the flashback, approximately? Well, it's like earlier that year, like 13, 12, okay. 13. It's the same kid. Someone in there, somewhere in there. And yeah. so he's now 
he can't it's like he's got 20 30 years left of his service even though he's already put in no no 10 he, he needs to complete his service before marcus turns 18 but he can't do it that's like five years he has he has to finish his so he's work trying to five. get him off before he turns 18 because otherwise because once he turns he's, 18 he has to go to contract for the 20 years to work off to leave why does he have to danielle see not that's his own entity <laughs> Basically, if you ma- uh, the way it works, and this is bonkers, is that if you manage to do your 20 years, you gotta take your family to Omega. But if you have kids on the moon and they turn 18 while living on the moon, they have to start their own 20-year contract. Why do any of these people have children on the moon? There's probably no birth control. What am I saying? <laughs> yeah, right? They have no books. What else are they going to do, Danielle, for entertainment? I'm not saying that humans won't human, but I'm just like, then your children, like, you just... Just having children to work farther into the colony is terrible. It's terrible. I don't understand like why the children are under contract. Yeah, like, yeah I don't understand it at all. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. None of this makes sense, Danielle, but it's just there to make sure that like it gives a father motivation to want to get his son off the the moon, basically. Yeah, can you imagine signing it? This is like a Rumpelstiltskin-esque contract where you sign it and your children are now indebted to the thing. <laughs> well, I understand. Like, if you're trading your labor, 20 years of labor for your family, like, if you have a, a mom and a dad or so you're two parents, a dad and dad or whatever it is, do they both have to work 20 years or can one of them work 20 years and then bring all the family with them? But it's, cause it seems like they both have to work the 20 years. Well, if most of the people that are on the moon are children of people who are on the moon, they probably both have to. Yeah. But like then why does the kid – I don't understand why the kid gets pushed in the contract. Like it doesn't it work because it's 20 questionable. years. Because if you have a kid the day you get to the moon, right, and you have to work 20 years – it's not physically possible to work 20 years without your kid turning 20. Like, you right? Yes. You'd have to have your kid, like, somewhere when you have less than 20 years left in your contract to make this work. Right. Which seems weird. Like, the, I don't know. There's also the incentives or structure of this whole moon contract doesn't make any sense to me. What's yes. going on there? No, I was thinking hard about the moon contract. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't understand the contracts. The, the, the moon contracts is the least sensical part of this movie to me. I agree. And they feel like they obligate, I don't know how it obligates the children to then be under contract as well. It that doesn't because legally without that, there's no movie. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I agree. It doesn't make any sense. And why the children who can't sign it would be legally bound by the, doesn't make any sense. No. It seems very sketchy. But you know, we're on the moon. Whatever. Right. Rules don't apply on the moon. <laughs> it's a moon. It's international waters or something. I saw the Martian. I know how this works. <laughs> the law runs the up. So anyway, Marcus and Borny gets everyone together for a feast. They dig in and are especially enamored with the freeze-dried ice cream, which is very sad because freeze-dried ice cream is kind of terrible. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> not great. But I guess if you lived on the moon. Yeah, I didn't have ice cream ever before in your life. You would be like, cool, this is great. This further uh, furthers my belief that they might send people to be food. All right. Well, keep keep beating that dead horse, Danielle. It's, it's not going to get back up. <laughs> that night, they're sitting around a fire pit because it has like a 70s style fire pit, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. 70s were the height of fashion when they were on the moon. <laughs> like fire pits are cool as heck, man. I'd want one. Let's do it. So Asa starts like explaining to them all about like Earth history. Like, oh, there was this world war. The whole world was at war. And then 20 years later, they did it again. That's true. Yeah. It's like people are so messed up and millions died. And it's like also, but Earth is also really beautiful and how people love Earth so much that they were willing to fight and die for it. But now everyone only cares about Omega and Earth doesn't matter to anyone anymore. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a lot of like <laughs> going on here, buddy. <laughs> 
sounds true, though. Yeah, it, it was wild. Addison then lets slip that she has a 10-year-old brother that is on a transport ship to Omega right now with her mom, since when her mom divorced her dad, she took her brother to Omega with her to get away from her dad, and then her dad moved to the moon pretty much out of spite so she could, like, get off Earth, too. And what? So they split the kids up. That's, I have to say, like, oh, the mom could just like, utilize, like, I'm going to take this kid on a 75-year trip to the moon. She's never going to see her brother again because she'll be dead by the time we get there. Do you think they, like, pulled names out of a hat? Do you think they just, like, I like the boy better. I'm taking him. You can have the girl. Right? <laughs> like, How messed what? up How is work? that? And, like, the dad's like, well, you're going off world. I'm going to take Addison to the moon. So there, like. And then, yeah, the dad's making these weird decisions with, like, I'm going to bring my child into a mining colony on the moon. As a science person. Like, he's not a miner. He's a science person. He probably has higher social standing, but still. Yeah, that's wild. These are terrible parents, Danielle. (laughs) As far as I can tell. Or maybe it's the law. Maybe, I mean, we don't know. Apparently the law is just terrible right now. The law is, when you divorce, you must split the children as well as your other assets. (laughs) And you've got to (laughs) choose. Hopefully that won't create any trauma for you. It's like Sophie's Choice, Moon Edition. (laughs) Maybe the courts choose for you. With the name of a hat. (laughs) Wild. Borny, meanwhile, is messing around on the computer console and activates a holographic sales pitch for the condos. Borny then quickly changes the station to some oldies music, and they lament how they wish they had finished the homes, because it'd be so cool if they could live here. Caleb then gets all, like, angry and starts smashing up the place, saying it's emblematic of every promise they failed to keep, and how they could have made things better, but they chose not to. And so everyone's like, yeah, and thus begins the hedonistic destruction montage. Excellent. Love love hedonistic destruction montages. Every every movie needs one, Danielle. <laughs> Best part of every movie. All right, so they spend a while, smash up the house. And also, like, again, the, the, the house has perfect earth gravity in the building, just FYI, because I know you care about that kind of stuff. I do. I'm glad to know that along with the electricity and the water, the gravity's holding up. Right, really. Like, how does that work? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> That night, while everyone sleeps, Caleb is brooding. He is joined by Addison, who also can't sleep. Caleb shares how the first time he met Dylan was the day his mom died, and Dylan had helped him steal some food from the commissary, which made him feel better, and they've been best friends ever since. Do they steal food because they need to, or they just like to? Unclear. They just wanted a sandwich, <laughs> and the commissary was closed, and Dylan and he broke in and started eating sandwiches all night. I'm going to assume that they're starving. Sure. I, I don't know, Danielle. They had showed them eating just fine earlier. Right? They give them food. So I don't think they are, but what do I know? It uh, furthers my theory. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so Caleb says he's worried that Dylan will have the hardest time after he leaves of the group because they've been like best buds. And that, hey, Addison, you could be a good friend to him. Maybe you could stick around and be his new Caleb, I guess, or something, <laughs> which is, I, I guess that's a choice. Well, better than nothing. I suppose. The next day, they're back in the rover, continuing the road trip, but about a mile out from the destination, the rover breaks down. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Do they have an oxygen to survive? So Addison hits the stress signal over the protestations of the others. She's like, they'll come for us now, but not until after the lockdown, and we have enough oxygen to make it to the crater and back on foot before they arrive, even though we don't have enough to make it back to the colony on foot. So we're just going to do that then. We'll continue our journey, then we get back, we'll be rescued, and everything's going to be fine. Do they not know enough to fix it? I, I doubt it. They're, they're, they barely know how to drive the thing. Okay, I'm just curious. <laughs> Dylan basically says that it drives itself mostly. So that's the new plan. They suit up and head out. And as they're walking, 
Caleb has another flashback to his dad, asking him to promise to go see that crater if anything ever happens to him, to look for the place where the brook splits in two. Caleb is suspicious about why his dad is suddenly so insistent, but promises anyway. Did what's-his-face bring his medicine? Danielle, please. <laughs> we'll get to it. <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> Back on the surface, they reach the edge of the crater. They all stand on the lip and look down, and in the center of the crater is a glowing cube, surrounded by what looks like a forest of cylinders, like rock cylinders. Mm-hmm. Like hoodoos, but not tapered. Okay. I was like, <laughs> not sense words. No, I don't know what you're talking about. You ever been to like Bryce Canyon? No. Okay. I can't help you then. <laughs> a hoodoo is a rock formation, Danielle. I'm going to leave it at that. What do they look like? Are they, in- they look like pillars. Like rocks on top of each other? No, like a, a forest of pillars. Like rock formations that go up? Boy, let me just, <laughs> just just Google Hoodoo or Bryce Canyon and they'll answer all your questions. I'm sure I've seen them and I just didn't know they had a name because you know the name of things. Bryce Canyon. Oh, yeah. You look right oh, now. Oh, yeah. Right. Those. Uh-huh. Those. Yeah. Those. Although these are perfect cylinders, so they're not, they're clearly not a natural formation. Right. Got it. So they scramble down the center towards the cube and they find a gap in the force of cylinders. And Addison starts brushing the dust off of one of the cylinders, and it says, The past is never far away. It's like carved into the cylinder. Creepy. Are there ghosts? Yeah. Are there space ghosts here? Danielle, there are space ghosts everywhere, apparently, on the moon. Just <laughs> riddled with space ghosts. Space ghosts, coast to coast. <laughs> Moons, man. Marcus finds the controls and opens the door, which is a staircase that goes down below the cube. So the cube is not really relevant to anything. This <laughs> <laughs> looks cool. Yeah. So they all go down and end up in a large circular room where they find a single dead tree in a pool of water in the center. Is it Eden? <laughs> yes, it's Moon Eden, Danielle. <laughs> no, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, it is it's crazy, Danielle. This movie gets weird. Who built this thing? Why do they build it? Why is it here? Why does nobody know about this place? <laughs> moon trees. All the kids are very disappointed by this big empty room. Like, oh, it's just an empty tree in a pool of water. This place sucks. Where's Do the treasure? Do they have trees? Is this the first tree they've ever seen? Probably. <laughs> They're just like, lame tree. The lame dead tree. Who cares? <laughs> so Caleb finds a plaque that reads, On gilded wings, we have reached the stars, but let us never forget the skies we left behind. Aw, sad. Sure. Addison starts going around the walls, pushing on them, saying, I've been in rooms like this before. Give me a second. And we're like, what? <laughs> I've Wait, been in what? moon rooms with trees before. Hang on I've a minute. Been in creepy cylinder rooms before. I got this, guys. This is totally my cup of tea. We have these everywhere on Earth. These are like bathrooms on Earth. They're just one in every block. <laughs> Bobbleheads. They're so common. <laughs> like bobbleheads on car dashboards. I got everyone to one of these rooms in their backyard. <laughs> Absolutely wild. <laughs> and so as she's pushing on the wall, she finds this like one foot square secret panel. Like, good no. job, Addison. <laughs> Nonsense. So she opens the secret panel and pushes the button inside. And suddenly the room transforms like a holodeck to a picture of Earth. Like it's like they're in a hologram of Earth, a uh, forest on Earth. And they all marvel at the beauty of this Earth forest. It's Addison who's been in a million of these. <laughs> Apparently she's like, yeah, this is a holodeck. No big deal. <laughs> Caleb then notices that there's a brook on this hologram. <gasps> Whoa! Amazing. And he follows it up to where it splits, just as the hologram then flickers off and dies. Everyone's like, oh, what happened to the hologram? <laughs> so I guess the future technology kind of blows. You know what's the insane thing? Is that his dad, I assumedly, is this, if this is the place they're supposed to be, is this the place they're supposed to be? Danielle, I, I had the exact same thought. <laughs> I promise you. So, like... 
So now Caleb can see that the hologram is off, that scratched in the surface of the floor, right below the point where the brook had been, is a little star, like a little pentagram star. I totally thought it was going to be initials, love initials. Right, yeah. I thought it could be a heart with their name. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, exactly. a little, it's a little star. And how the heck did his dad expect him to find the secret button and do all this? His, like, <laughs> here was his father's plan. He's like... If I die, probably you'll go to this crater. I'm not going to tell you what's there. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to tell you how to get inside the crater room. It's just going to work out. And once you're inside the room, I'm not going to tell you where the button is, the secret hidden button to turn on the, the hologram. And then I'm just going to tell you to follow the brook when you're in there. I'm also not going to tell you how to turn the hologram back off so you can know to look underneath the brook because you can't see this when the brook's on. You can only see it when it's off. But there's a little carving in the floor there. Like, there's no possible way... He was ever going to find this out. Like, this should never have happened. Shenanigans. And what was the actual point of him hiding the fact that there was a hologram here? Why not tell the kid that, like, it's a really cool thing that, like, we don't have here and it's holograms and this is how they yeah, work? Like, why not just, tell him, like, all of that? Just tell him, hey, there's this really cool room. There's a switch on the wall. I'll tell you where it is. And when you get inside, push it once. And when you find the place in the brook, like, clap twice and the hologram will turn <laughs> off and you can find this, like... There's no reason to keep this a secret. Like, the mystery is clearly just for the audience. This is, like, he would, he would be like, if this were any, like, reality, he would get to the moon, see the giant glowing cube, be like, aliens. Aliens made that. I'm out. AI. Say that. AI. Whatever. And he, or even if they got into the room, if Addison hadn't been there, they'd all be like, well, there's a dead tree. Let's all go. They would have, too. There's no way in the entire world that they ever would have found that without Addison. Yeah, without Addison having been in rooms like this before. Maybe the dad was a seer, future seer. Yeah, he was like, he's like, <laughs> Maybe I predict you will meet a girl from Earth. <laughs> Maybe dad's a space ghost and he's leading them. Okay, space ghost dad. Perfect. <laughs> it gets crazier. Okay, so, all right. Caleb finds that this part of the floor is like been chiseled out so he can like pick it up. And there's a space below it where he finds a picture of his mom and dad on Earth, along with her ashes in a similar comically small cylinder. Yeah. So what this means is that sometime after his mom died, his father took a solo trip out here to lay his mother's ashes in this place without telling him any details about this place or maybe bringing his son along on this like Journey, funeral Which would service. have been a really nice thing to do with yeah, his son. Like, bring your son along to the special place to intern his mother in this important place in your life. Like, no, I'm going to do it alone and, and then I'm going to leave him a series of riddles and hope he can find <laughs> it one day in the future after I'm dead. And I'm going to explain this by saying it's a work trip because I might have to leave for several days. <laughs> yeah. His father was uh, kind of terrible is what I'm realizing here. <laughs> Sounds like all the – as always, the parents are terrible. Crazy. So Dylan takes the photograph and puts it in his pocket and then places his father's ashes next to his mom's and then seals it back up or like puts the tile back in place. Dylan says that his father would be proud of him and Caleb gets angry and says that what his father did – wasn't an accident. He got himself killed so that he could, you know, make it look like an accident so that Caleb could execute the death contract and get off this place and get whoa, to Omega. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what? What do you mean, whoa, here? That's a big bomb. I, know, I, mean, that, I thought that was obvious from earlier on. Like, Okay, maybe for you watching it. I had yeah, not yeah. thought that far about it. <laughs> I took your word that he just died. Yeah, 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 no. Once his father's around town, they're like, promise me, if anything happens to me, you'll go to the crater. And he's like, oh, yeah, he's definitely going to kill like, I just assumed it was a high-risk job. <laughs> Apparently, a lot of these people don't make it to old age. No, no. So his father, like, clearly thought to himself, like, I can't – he's like, I can't execute the contract. I don't have enough time. The only way out for Caleb is if I die on the job and he gets to execute the death contract and, you know, the benefits and get off this planet before he turns – 
20. That's even darker. Um, do the yeah. elderly often get to go to Omega? I mean, whoever finishes their contract out. So there are people that actually do get to go. They're just not getting to go in younger ages, usually. I have no idea, Danielle. Like, it, it, it's clear that people are going to Omega. People buy their way onto the transport. If you can't buy your way, you have to work in this mine to try to earn your way. Right. But it is very difficult to do that because they'll keep slapping on bogus fees forever, basically. Right. And so maybe a few of them get out every now and then, but mostly they're just helping the more well-to-do classes get to Omega. Wild. What a weird story. Yeah, right? It gets real <laughs> weird. It's a lot darker than it, than it seems to be. I don't know. I thought it was pretty dark from the get-go, but you gave me a hard time about it. I mean, it's dark. It's not like comically dark, Danielle. <laughs> I it's don't think like, eating children is co- it's comic. It's over the top. That's like... <laughs> So you that's like that. a a modest proposal. It's like a modest proposal, basically. <laughs> so dad probably killed himself to help his son. Yeah, probably arranged for his death so his son could get off to Omega. And Caleb was like, I'm going to tell them he did that so they'll cancel the death benefits and then I can stay with you all. And Dylan is this not having that. This kid is wild. <laughs> He's like, your dad did this for you. He loved you. You get to go and get off of this place. And we all are not going to be able to do that, but you're going to go for all of us. And when you go, a part of us goes with you. You're going to be a leader someday. People are going to depend on you. And like, what? <laughs> what? Like, may I, okay. Up to that point, like, sure, you want him to go. You want your friend to be happy. You're like, a piece of my heart goes with you. Sure, that's fine. You're going to be a leader? Like, what, what what did that intend in all this? Has he shown leadership skills up to this point? I mean, he, I guess, encouraged them to go on this trip, but like Dylan's the one been in charge of this whole operation, honestly. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> He's been the one like planning it out and he like arranged to get Addison on board and all that kind of stuff. Like Caleb's just sort of been along for the ride. <laughs> but like, sure. Also, no one even knows what Omega is like, apparently. Like, I, I don't know nothing except that Omega exists. And like, maybe he won't be a leader. Maybe he'll be uh, in the servant class on Omega. We don't know. <laughs> Just wild. Maybe maybe life on Omega sucks. And I get that he's like a young teen. And so, I mean, his thought processes probably aren't fully formed. But you think right. he might feel some kind of a, a obligatory thing to carry out his dead father's wishes. No, he's feeling all rebellious about like his dad abandoned him and took the coward's way out. And he wants to stay with his friends instead. Does he realize when he turns 18, he's going to have to like get yeah, 20 knows. years? Yeah. His dad talked to him about that. Crazy. But he doesn't want to go. He wants to stay on the moon. Like, this is his home. He's only ever lived on the moon. I mean, I get, I get the the not knowing which direction to go in that. It just feels like he might have some kind of thought process where he's like, well, maybe I should go because my dad really wanted that and may have, you know, killed himself for that. <laughs> I doubt it. Uh, but like, maybe. I don't know. He, if that's going through his head, he doesn't express it. The only thing that seems to convince him is Dylan saying he has to do it for all of them. Be the one who gets out, you know? And be a leader someday. Be a leader, I guess. <laughs> Guess what happens next, Danielle? Um, space ghosts. No, Marcus collapses. Uh oh. Oh yeah, duh. that was that was my second guess. <laughs> Addison diagnoses him with low blood pressure from low gravity <laughs> since they'd never been outside the moon like colony before. She's like, you know what? I'm a doctor. <laughs> he looks like he's got low blood pressure. <laughs> like his his giant enlarged tart apparently can't handle the low blood pressure from the lower gravity of the I don't know how I'm not a doctor, Danielle. How would she I know? know? Well, neither is Addison's thirteen year old self. How would she ever know that? Maybe she's an earth doctor. Like they have like maybe they have accelerated classes for kids like in the future. You know how like school they start teaching people things younger and younger and kids know more and more? Maybe it's that kind of situation. Sure. I can't believe he doesn't have some kind of like watch or something that vibrates every hour for his medicine. Like a pacemaker <laughs> yeah, or something. Who something. knows? <laughs> 
some kind of injectable thing that just pushes the medicine automatically into his bloodstream X amount of time. Yeah, no. Pills are still a thing in 230 years. <laughs> yeah, pills, right? Well, guess where they left those pills, Danielle? Back on the, the rover. rover. Duh. <laughs> yeah. Because worrisome yeah. worrywart didn't grab him. It's his fault. Yep. Yeah. We're, what, what are you doing, dude? Get get with the program. Yeah. Jeez, worry, McGee. <laughs> do you remember his name, do you? <laughs> I don't know his name. Uh, okay. I just want to I make don't that know clear. any of the names except Caleb and Addison. <laughs> What about Dylan? Oh, because you just because you just described Dylan as the leader. Come on, you remember Borny? Come on, Borny's a great name. <laughs> Comes it's and the goes. one name you're like, oh, that's not an Earth name. Yeah, but I can't think of a single thing Borny's actually done for that entire thing except give the medicine. Aw. Anyway, so apparently they just decide to leave the pills back on the rover. So they all scramble to get back to the surface, and they get to the lip of the crater, dragging, you know, stumbling Marcus with them. But just as they reach the lip of the crater, because what happens, Danielle? It's uh, the meteor shower. Space coast. Yeah, that would be obvious. I'm surprised that this medic, like this kid has heart conditions so bad that like one late dose of medication could kill him. Well, I mean, or moon gravity. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so now that they contend with both Marcus's, Marcus's heart and the space meteors crashing all around them. That's not good. That's why they were undercover. Or lockdown? Lockdown. Yeah. So they make a run for it as the meteors crash around them. All the the boys make it, but Addison is it gets nearly struck and is knocked away by a, the impact of a meteorite. They see her cowering under a rock, and Dylan and Caleb go back for her as Borny drags Marcus inside to get him his pill. I hope she's okay. She's their only doctor. Oh, no, they need her. Right. She's the one who can diagnose him. <laughs> so as they reach her, Dylan is hit in the head by a meteorite and is knocked out, and they quickly patch the cracks in his helmet and carry him back to the rover. Is this so Caleb could shine, show how much of a leader he is? No, mostly Addison. <laughs> they all make it back to the rover, barely, but the windshield had been shattered by a meteorite. So, uh-oh. Why didn't they just go back into the crater? Because they needed the pills, Danielle. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Why didn't one of them go out to get them? Because if he got killed, they would be screwed. That's true. I guess they'd never know. And they need to have cover in the rover. Yeah, but they had better cover underneath the earth. Sure, but they didn't have the pills there, is my I point. Know. So. No, I know. I got it. I'm good. It's fine. So... Dylan is unconscious, and Caleb acknowledges that the rescue vehicles are still a long way away because clearly lockdown is still in effect, so there's no immediate medical help for Dylan or any of them. So crossfade to them sitting around while Dylan is still unconscious, discussing how they're running out of oxygen. And they ask Addison, like, what's it like to – like, what happens when we run out of air? And Addison says that they'll – Addison the doctor. Yeah. Yeah, she's like, they all get very sleepy. And then you all sort of just slip away. They'll be kind of peaceful. And they're like, no, nah, it doesn't sound so bad. They'll all die suffocating in – the rover. Cool. That's because they live in a dystopian nightmare where death is better than becoming 18 years old. <laughs> so. <laughs> Some hours later, Dylan finally comes to and Caleb assures him everything will be just fine. But Dylan doesn't buy it. And they have a nice heart to heart about how Dylan had the best few days of his life on this trip and it was totally worth it. So then the suits and everyone start beeping and powering down one by one, very dramatically, and they all pass out. <laughs> They shouldn't have used all their oxygen to fly around. Yeah, well, well, they got new oxygen, Danielle, from the model home, remember? Then how are they running out of oxygen? Because the rover was smashed, so its oxygen supply is gone now. Do they put all of their extra oxygen into the rover supply? I don't know how it works. What? <laughs> they don't have, like, masks or something they can attach to some tanks, or I don't They're know. They're their spacesuits, but apparently, also... To circle back to a previous point, I just realized they all have spacesuits that are their size, so clearly they do have spacesuits they could have worn to go outside to, and frolic in the moon, but they just never were allowed to. Terrible. Uh, that makes it worse. And also, I'm still confused about the oxygen. I don't I don't, I don't know, Danielle. Apparently, like, 
I'm guessing the rover has its own supply of oxygen and that they have tanks for when they're out and about, but they have now lost the rover's supply of oxygen since it was mashed And they've open. used all of their tanks to go out and about? And they have some, but they had to use them to go back and forth between the crater and the mile or so it took to get to back to the rover. Shenanigans, but whatever. Maybe. I don't know, Danielle, but it's a thing. It's, it's, it makes as <laughs> much sense as the contracts. <laughs> all right, whatever. I'm willing to go with it. So they all pass out and, and the screen fades to black and movies over. They all die. <laughs> The end. And then they're all sent to Omega to be turned into food. No. Uh, after they all pass out, there's a voice on the radio saying, hey, we're the rescue crew. Anyone acknowledge us? And they don't because they're all passed out. <laughs> How did the rescue crew get? Wasn't this like a three-day event in the meteors? I, I guess they decided to make a run for it or I guess it just wrapped up and they scrambled. I don't know. They're like, oh, no, the four, five, whatever kids are missing. They said there's a distress signal. Right. And they realized it was children, so they must have come out and did not yeah, die in the meteor. It's running away. <laughs> it's running away. And there's like, they're like the hyenas in Lion King. They're chasing after them because they're like, yeah, oh no, like we're that. all going to die if we don't get our food. And then they don't get hit by meteorites. Yep. All right. Cool. Anyway, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Okay, making sure I'm caught up. So we cut to Caleb waking up in what looks like a hospital. And he asks about how everyone is, and the woman looking out after him tells him everyone's fine. The trip was a complete success. Caleb is confused, but the woman explains that he's on Omega. Hey, he made it. 75 years later, he's on Omega. Oh my god, can you imagine? You wake up, and it's 75 years later. (laughs) Yeah, Caleb understandably freaks out. (laughs) He's like, I didn't get to say goodbye to anybody. I just woke up here after I thought I died and I'm on Omega. Like, I can't believe what? that that's how they phrased it to him. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, the trip right? was a success. Also, welcome back. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back. You're on Omega. 75 years later. It's like Captain America kind of thing <laughs> in that first Captain America movie. <laughs> we cut to an external shot and it looks, yeah, it looks like Earth. It just looks like a nice, like maybe Iceland or something. It mm-hmm. looks like a, a, a nice, like rocky, mountainous, grassy Earth. Back inside, Caleb is brooding, looking out a window. The woman comes back in saying she has messages from the lunar colony that were sent to him during his travels. <laughs> 75 years of messages for you. Yeah, exactly right. And that he'll soon get to go stay with the foster family, which are coming to get him later that day. Wild. Can you, like, can yeah. you imagine you get messages and then they just chronicles the 75 years of your friend's getting older and older and then dying and probably never making it to Omega or if they did now they're 80. <laughs> Danielle, I don't have to imagine that cuz the movie's going to play us those messages <laughs> no, right now. No, so sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Such a sad so movie. Caleb starts listening to the messages. It's all his friends saying, hi, we love you, Caleb. You're going to be great. Everyone's fine. And Addison managed to get her father to let them use the transmitter once a year to send messages, which is more than most people get to use it. So they'll be able to send him a message once a year. That's terrible. Like, was there a high cost to the transmitter? That is what the moon people just aren't allowed to talk to anybody? Danielle, not clear. (laughs) Sorry, you're like your children went away, but you're stuck here or like whatever. You're yeah. here. The parents are gone, but you're not allowed to talk to them. So Dylan is very clear that everything is going to be okay. So don't be sad. Go enjoy Omega. So the next message a year later is Dylan lamenting that Addison just won't leave him alone. And apparently whatever Caleb said to her stuck and she's like been trying to make a friend out of him. Mm-hmm. And it goes on like that. Each message skipping a year ahead. Uh, so I'm just going to sort of summarize the arc of events. So eventually Dylan has grown. They're all working in the mines. Addison is trying to reform the system by like leading protests to become an activist. Of course she has. And so the messages continue as the voiceovers as Caleb starts to like meets his foster family and moves into their home and starts meeting other kids at like school or whatever. So all of this is happening while these messages are playing in voiceover. This is really depressing. 
Yeah. Yeah. So Dylan shares that he and Addison are hooking up and how eventually Addison got them to close all the loopholes in the contract. So now it's just a flat 20 year contract. Everything's cool. There are no more like added on years to it. Yeah, somebody should have done that a long better. time ago. <laughs> I don't know if that's better or worse, Danielle. Like, it's still, like, not a great system of a, of servitude, but here we go. Well, it's a win against a giant corporation. Or whatever. It, or government. or who, well, We don't know, Danielle. <laughs> so, Boroni is also working with Addison to restart all of those failed construction projects to turn the moon back into a utopia-type place. Did what's-his-face live? Heart guy? Marcus? Yeah, he's fine. He's okay. good. Okay. They mentioned that, like, despite his heart condition, Marcus is A-OK and doing going strong. Dylan eventually marries Addison and she gets pregnant. Things are very different. Like, everything's gotten better. They've They're played by different everything. actors, right, at this point? Uh, the voice does change over time uh, okay. a bit. Yeah. You don't, because it's, a uh, you said voiceover voice while stuff was happening. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And everything is very different and much better. And it's all thanks to Caleb, bringing them out and showing them what could be, like showing them the world that could exist. So it's Caleb who, who inspired them all to do all this stuff while because, he slept. Because they saw a forest? Because they saw, what did like, Caleb do? <laughs> I mean, Caleb did literally nothing. Like, I guess he was the catalyst <laughs> that got them to go on this trip. And they saw like, oh, there could have been these manufactured homes. There could have been these cities. Oh, that's There could good. have been beauty here. I feel like Dylan was really the one that she gets yeah. credit for this. <laughs> right. I, I, Danielle, I agree. But Dylan's like – and also after – like what did Caleb do after that? He slept for 75 years. Dylan and Addison accomplished all this stuff while he just goes <laughs> to sleep. But apparently he was the inspiration, the folk hero that launched this campaign of improving things. <laughs> That's wild. So elderly Dylan tells him that they're all so happy for him and it's comforting to know that he's still out there with adventures ahead of him, even though they've all had their adventures already. So these people and, are, yeah. I assume, under a 20-year contract now instead of forever? I, I assume, but they're still back on the – I guess – They decide to they, live on – Yeah, the, I think the they're moon? like dedicated to making the moon into a better place. Okay, sure. Like I think that the, the message here is instead of trying to always work to leave to go to someplace else, try to improve the world right, you have. Right, 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 right. So they're staying there and he – and. Elderly Dylan says that they're also happy for him and that he's going to take his grandkids to the crater soon so they can all experience the hologram, I guess. And they have good lives. And it's time for Caleb to have a good life too and have more adventures. Yeah. And that's the last message. <laughs> it's so sad. Oh, it gets better. So no. Caleb, yeah. So we cut to Caleb. He's walking around outside. He finds this bench overlooking like a cliff face, like into the ocean or some water or something. Mm -hmm. And he sees a kid sitting on a bench and he goes and sits next to the kid. And he hands the kid the astronaut bobblehead telling him that like, I know you. I knew your sister. We were friends. And the kid's like, oh, you're Caleb? I heard all about you and her messages. So this is Addison's kid brother, who is still like 10 years old or 11 years old. And Addison had sent her brother messages all about him. Crazy. And so the kid starts asking like, hey, did you really like blast off on rockets? Did you really almost die on the moon surface by, hitting, by getting hit by meteorites? And Caleb's like, yeah. And starts recounting their adventures and like, we're going to be good friends. And as he starts telling him all the stories, the, the camera zooms away, pans up, and the credits roll. <laughs> Weird movie. Yes. <laughs> and it's so sad. <laughs> it is so sad. Like, I don't understand his character because usually when they do stuff like that, where it's like somebody was the inspiration for uh, change in some kind of society or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like they're really. They're 
present. Yeah, they're really present and like involved in it. And they're the leader. They're usually the leader character, Mm -hmm. like quite obviously the leader character. And then, yeah, maybe they get whatever. Something happens. They die. They move, whatever. And then it like changes their world. It doesn't sound, at least for what you've said, it does not sound like he played that role. And I don't understand why he was the one that got all the credit. I don't want to sell him too short. Like, Caleb definitely has some speeches and, like, breaks up fights and gets all the people to be like, hey, we all love each other. Let's not fight because there's some squabbling that happens that I skipped over. Mm-hmm. But, like, no one feels like a real lead. Like, it, it, Caleb and Dylan are at least equally as much leaders because Dylan, again, is the one who comes with all the plans. He's the one who, like, recruited Addison to their group. Right. Right. And so – Weird. I don't know. Like, it – I'm not saying Caleb didn't have an impact, but it's like his impact was more just to be the excuse they needed to go out and explore and get inspired. Well, apparently they really took that to heart. Yeah. So, you know, I guess the moon's a better place to live now. I don't know. We never go back there. We never learn what happened, but we do learn from Dylan's logs that they have good lives. So I guess it's all hunky-dory. I can't believe that was a tonally upbeat movie when <laughs> it's so dark. <laughs> it is like... It, it is very much like a, a – like, it's kind of nice that it has like all this like stuff to say about capitalism and how it's all evil and we should be working to improve our lives and how it's actually pretty accurate that if we discovered some paradise planet, it would be like, well, yeah, I'm done with Earth. Screw it. Let's all get out of here. All the rich people would like flee to that planet. and, and Yeah. Yeah. Like all they're trying to get to Mars or whatever. It was way too realistic, Sam. Why would you bring something with such realism to our podcast? Don't blame me, Danielle. Blame <laughs> Disney. <laughs> I do, for many things. <laughs> it's also crazy that, like, we apparently have interstellar travel where we can get to other Earth-like planets, and we've only found one. Everyone's so, like, gaga for that planet. Like, what makes Omega so great? Like, we're never ex- – it's never explained to us why Omega's great, and if they could build these amazing moon colonies, why don't they do that on Mars or whatever? Like, or terraform Venus or something. Why is it, like, Earth – Omega and nothing in between. <laughs> also, let's talk about how Addison apparently has like fairly unlimited access to talking to her brother on another planet, but the other everybody else only gets to talk to people once a year, and then the other people who aren't involved in Addison's inner circle get to uh-huh. like talk to their family members what every five years. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, I, to be fair, I don't know how much access Addison had to her brother. Like maybe she sent him a series of messages once a year, just like Caleb. Or just like um, Caleb got from Dylan. It still sounds like she had higher, more access than regular people. Well, again, she managed to arrange because of her higher status with her father to get them yearly access, which they normally would not get. So like, there's clearly a very rigid caste system in this universe that we are not made aware of. And then it seems to continue. Like, they just once a year said, like, a holiday card, essentially. They're like, hey, yeah. check it in. <laughs> like, it doesn't change after that. Like, she manages to change everything else, but they still only get once a year. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> it's, abs- it's, again, it's bonkers, Daniel. I cannot explain to you how weird this movie is. Like, totally, it's a very, you know, it's like a road trip movie. And it's like, Caleb finally gets to go to Omega and he gets to live his happy life and his friends make a happy life back on the moon. So everyone gets a happy ending. Because like, I thought there'd be something sinister about Omega. But no, it's just a great place. There's nothing bad about it. (laughs) Yeah. Also, weird plot twist. I love the idea that he gets knocked unconscious. And while he's unconscious, some medical person and government or big business was like, now is the time. Send him. Go, go, go. Well, because here's the weird thing. Like, they're like, the transport is leaving in three days. We'll put you on that transport. Fine. But there's also a transport that was going to leave in a few months. Like, he was originally scheduled to leave in a few months, but, like, apparently the schedules are fluid. So they could have just, like, 
kept him around for the next transport. Like, it wouldn't have been a big deal. Yeah, and I'm sure it's a good idea to put somebody who's unconscious who may or may not have some kind of damage into a transport yeah, for 75 years. And it's like, just go. You'll be fine. There's no doctor on board because it's 75 years. It's absolutely cuckoo bananas. <laughs> and again, so I was saying, this movie has all that upbeatness of like happy ending. But the second you start thinking about the underlying social structures that make this movie possible, it is bleak. Yes. Or, or the trauma of like, you're like, you know, it's a good idea. This kid will just wake up one day and we'll be 75 yeah. years later. He doesn't say goodbye to his friends. He doesn't like his life. <laughs> Yeah. That's a wild choice. Absolutely crazy. Anyway, wow. that was Crater, the Disney Plus original movie. <laughs> Good job, Sam. Yeah. That was my foray to Disney, Danielle. As you can see, a little different than your, your previous ones. I'm not sure if it's any darker than the Mermaid one, <laughs> but... Is that like yeah. a, instead of a DCOM, is that like a DPOM because it's Disney Plus? I don't know, Danielle. Does it, I don't know if there's any difference now, really. Just curious. <laughs> I think we're splitting hairs at this point. I know there's a big DCOM following, so we don't want to use the incorrect terminology for the non-DCOM movies. <laughs> Whatever. I'm not going to, you, you can you can tweet at Danielle all your anger if I get it wrong. <laughs> yeah, tweet at me for Perfect. Sam's errors. Yeah, I'll make sure I, I he reads them all. Yeah, I bet you will. <laughs> well, thank you for bringing that to the table, Sam. Crater. Yeah, you're welcome. It's wild. If you out there want to try to explain to us the legality of the moon contracts and how that all works and like the kids getting roped into it, if you're a lawyer, please reach out to us. We could really use the explanation. Yes. And if this is the bleakest of the Disney movies... Or if you can think of one that's bleaker, please let us know. Black Cauldron? I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> I've been in a long time. It's hard to remember. <laughs> but if you want to explain that to us, you can do so at bookretorts.com. You can also tweet, Instagram, or Facebook us at bookretorts. And if you want to fund our own lunar mining indentured servitude <laughs> plan, you can help fund and be an investor at <laughs> patreon.com slash bookretorts. That'll get people over to the Patreon. <laughs> Look, you're either going to help be an investor or you're going to be working in the mine. So get in early while you can. <laughs> well, until next time, uh, don't sign a contract for oh, labor on the moon. Yeah, ever. please don't. <laughs> there are better options out there, I swear. Yeah. Until then, bye. Take care, everybody. I was convinced Omega was going to be sketchy too, but twist, it was just, it's a great place to live. Everyone, Omega, thumbs up. <laughs> or you could read it, you could read it, that he actually dies after he gets hit in the head with a meter, right? Uh, yeah, this is all and just this his, is like, his, like, po it's either afterlife. his coma, yeah, coma, or it's his afterlife, and he's actually stuck on this planet working in the mines. That'd be way darker. He's, he's like, alive. hooked up to a machine in the moon colony, just like, beep. 
Beep. And yep. his friends will like gather around him like, you're still in there, buddy? And like all the logs he's hearing are just, just Dylan talking to yes. him. Them just visiting yeah. once a year as he's yeah, in his like, coma state or his grave. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so much darker, Danielle. I love it. <laughs> And nothing got better. 